Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is grief brain. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, there is a lot going on these days. And grief brain is real. It's super, super real. Super, super real. However, this seems to be triggered as a topic by something that's near and dear to your heart. Yeah. So this was an event that was somewhat planned for in our life and very much expected. And my husband and I said farewell to our very beloved dog about four days ago. And so grief brain is currently my brain. And it is something that I talk with a lot of people about often. And I thought, why not share some of that information out a little bit more widely? Because I've certainly needed those reminders in the last couple of days myself. Okay. So for somebody who may not understand the symptoms or exactly what kind of things to be watching for, how do you define grief brain? It comes on with some kind of grief. Some folks will also talk about cancer brain. Okay. Right. Or widow brain. Basically, any large emotional experience that is going to shift kind of the amount of chemicals that are in your system and what's going on in your system and how your body is reacting. Some of those chemicals can cause changes even within your own brain going on. I am not a scientist, nor a medical professional, nor a psychiatrist. I am simply someone who has journeyed alongside of folks going through grief a lot. And the things that are true are that close to these kinds of events where we lose a loved one or some kind of trauma has happened, you become forgetful. Okay. Or you have a hard time focusing. So even if you're someone who's usually really able to focus in on something, to suddenly not be able to focus and keep focus in can be really offsetting. Or to be forgetful in a way that you are never normally forgetful. This comes up often, particularly when I'm working with women whose spouses have died and they're a little older, and I talk to them after the funeral and say, just be aware that widow brain is real. And sometimes it's not even if they're older, right? Like young widows who've sure. lost their spouses or widowers who have lost their spouses very unexpectedly. Writing lists for yourself can really help because our long-term memory, our short-term memory, like, is not as functional. Mm-hmm. So being able to write down lists of the things that you want to accomplish in a day or the things that you know you need to take care of are really, really helpful, even if you are not ever a list maker. I can only imagine that your brain in some part of it is just trying to chew through and process so much that it makes sense to me that that kind of memory would just be gone. Yeah, it's like a short circuit. Like there's just not capacity to be thinking about, did I just hear Izzy? Izzy is my dog. Like, was that Izzy's dog tags or was that the next door neighbor? Right. And your brain is like hearing all the different things or thinking about the different things. It's the change in the routines. Or hearing the things that you expect to hear, but not hearing them and wondering why. 
Right. All of that stuff is happening consciously or subconsciously in your brain. And it's exhausting. So you might find yourself more tired than usual. You might find yourself forgetting things that you normally would do. Because your routines are going to be different, finding ways to make certain you've done things. So like if your morning routine is get up, encourage the dog to stretch, get her down the stairs, get her outside, take your medicine, go back upstairs, get your shower. If you're forgetting your medicine on a regular basis because that whole stretch of routine is gone, Mm -hmm. right, that can have other impacts. So finding ways to like create checklists or reminder boards, it has nothing to do with your mental, ongoing mental health, right? I've spoken to some people before and I said, your parent is not getting Alzheimer's. Oh, sure. Right? They are experiencing grief brain and it's okay. You're not seeing early onset dementia unless your family's already worried about that, but Typically, this is something like if this sort of thing happens for the next three to four weeks, just pay attention to it, but don't panic. This is normal. I'm in my early 40s and I completely left a stove burner on high (laughs) for 45 minutes with nothing on it the day after we said goodbye to Izzy, right? Thank God there was nothing on it. Everything was fine. But it's not that there's anything wrong. It's just that grief is really, really real and takes a ton of our brain energy that we don't even recognize. So grace is very important. What is your number one tip beyond make lists? Is it slow down? Is it, I don't even know. I mean... If somebody is going through that, what what are you trying to do to yourself to be gentle? I think my number one tip as someone who watches it and supports someone else experiencing it, recognize that all the emotions are valid. Because people really get caught up in this whole, am I grieving right? Oh, yes. Am I doing it the right way? Is my grief too much? Is my grief too little? Is my... I should be grieving more. I should be crying more. I should be crying less. I should be crying bigger tears. No tears at all. I should be crying Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Or I shouldn't be laughing all of a sudden. I shouldn't be enjoying this meal. I should be hungry. Right? Like all the shoulds and all the judgments around the different things. It's really important to just continue to give permission that any feeling that someone is feeling is perfectly okay because they're feeling it. Now, how we choose to react out of that feeling, that's where you start to set boundaries, right? I may be feeling spiky and mean and judgmental towards everything and everybody else because I'm grieving. Mm Mm-hmm. But how I choose to react to that and how I choose to enact that is where other people get to set some boundaries. So just because I'm feeling spiky and mean doesn't mean I get to be mean on purpose and hurt other people so that everybody else gets to see that I'm hurting, right? Mm -hmm. That's where we get to set boundaries with people who are grieving is to say, I know that you are hurting and I know that you're feeling really spiky And 
you don't get to hit me with your spikes because you're grieving. Here's another way. You get to feel those spikes. You get to be angry at the world, but you don't get to harm other people through it, right? Or you don't get to harm yourself through it. Sure. So you may be feeling spiky. You may be feeling guilty, but I'm not going to sit with you and list all of the things that you should have done differently. You really should have walked the dog more. You really should have, right? That's Mm -hmm. harmful to your own spirit, to the person, right? So we're not going to do that. We can admit that those things are there. You get to feel them. And we're not going to weaponize grief. Does that make sense, that fine line? It does. And we have been talking about things that seem like obvious triggers, either something traumatic like um, the death of a pet or Mm -hmm. a beloved one or something like cancer. Mm -hmm. But in this time of the pandemic, there are other forms of grief. Tons. And those are valid as well. And those can equally cause this kind of grief brain that we're talking about. Absolutely. So right now, the loss of the first day of school. Yeah. Right? There are kids all over this country. I grieve for both, actually. I grieve for the kids that have to go to school in this, and I grieve for the kids that have to stay home. Totally. And for the teachers Mm -hmm. and administrators, right? It's just the whole thing. Like for teachers, it's that loss of getting to open their classroom the way they want to or having to open a classroom that looks so different than how they would normally design it for their kids. For some of the students, I remember my freshman or sophomore year of high school really caring and planning way ahead for my first day of school outfit Yep, and not getting to have that or getting to have that, but it being so vastly different and right. There's so much around that that is going to just be infusing the academic year here as it begins for all levels of grades. So, I mean, that's a big grief that's going to be going on. We're going to be heading towards the holidays. Yeah, they're going to look very different this year, I suspect. Mm -hmm. For people who are accustomed to big gatherings for Thanksgiving and Christmas, or even Halloween, yeah. All of that is going to look different this year. My daughter and I happen to be out doing some quick shopping and there's a few Halloween things in and we were talking about costumes and then it led to, but are we even going to get that? And even mm-hmm. that gave us both pause of probably not. Right. And when I talk to my family weekly, they're already talking about the holidays and their Black Friday plans that they typically have and possibly next summer. And I just have to not say anything because I don't want to burst their bubble. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, the practicality in me is all, "Mm, I think it's too soon to start planning anything like that. Yeah. But for so many, that is such a necessary way to celebrate. I'm not sure finding an alternative is going to be good enough. Right. But then I also don't think that they're going to understand the grief brain that's coming at them. And that's part of my next question to you. How do you recognize these things if it's sneaking up on you in a way because it's not something obvious like cancer or a death? I think this is where being in relationship with people really helps. Sure. Because other people may notice it and may say something to you about it. Or You may have something that is very much unlike you that happens. Like, I don't know, 
leaving a burner on high for 45 <laughs> minutes with nothing sure. on it. It will remind you that, okay, yeah, something has happened here or something is going on here. But I think the important thing in having this conversation is to say that our culture and our community has enough grief around right now. It's just kind of in the air that, it, as you've said, it may not be an obvious trigger point. It may not be the loss of a pet or it may not be a diagnosis or the loss of a family member far away. It may be none of those things. It may just be that last piece of news that has come in and all of a sudden you've forgotten to shower for four days, mm -hmm. right? And it's not an intentional choice. It may be an increasing of depression and certainly get support, get proper professional support. And it may be that grief brain is catching up to you and grace is a big, helpful thing. I had a friend who gave me a really helpful tip the other day because I've been kind of hard on myself with all of the, why aren't you getting these things done? I'm usually a very efficient individual who's mm -hmm. very competent and I get a lot of things done. And so in this time, when I'm having a really hard time recognizing when I've gotten anything done in a day, much less coming up with things that I should be doing, her tip is instead of making the list of all the things you want to get done in a day, write down the two most pressing things on your brain, write them down, and then mark them off when you've done them, and then write down the next two. So that at the end of the day, you have a list of the things that you've achieved written down that you can reflect on rather than the list of things you failed to accomplish. Well, and you're keeping it manageable at the same time, potentially. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so for those of us who aren't list makers and for whom we know when we are having a struggle because we are leaning into lists, <laughs> that really helped for me to make it useful as a tool instead of a shaming instrument. Sure. So I offer that out as a tip. Recently, there has been a celebrity who has passed away. Yes. Chadwick Boseman. And it has hit my daughter harder than I think I necessarily would have expected. Okay. And previous to that discussion that I had with her, I had seen a tweet come through. And I think it's helpful for all of us. Because for her, it was this particular celebrity, but for the rest of us, it's going to be somebody else, depending on what age you are, what your interests are, and everything else. So the tweet came from somebody who I believe is poet by background, and it was, Grieving beloved celebrities is often a pressure release valve for interpersonal mourning we've denied ourselves for doing. Hmm. And I liked it for many reasons, because especially right now, my daughter has gone through a lot with school and the pandemic and the loss of friends and the everything. And she's pretty in touch with her emotions. But when something like this hits and you find yourself crying more and feeling more, it makes sense to me that here's a vehicle, a way to get more of this out that you have been holding in that you didn't even know that you had. Yes. And I'm okay with that. I like the theory. I can think the celebrity in my life that I had that kind of a reaction to is Jim Henson. Sure. I don't know if you remember when Jim Henson died. And there was something about losing that person who gave creative story and imagination to the world. 
and who seemed good and losing that. But that obviously ties to then grief about how the world is a hard place Mm -hmm. and the world is a disappointing place, especially when you're younger, to have these figures who offer hope die. Yeah. It gives that sense of mortality that can be incredibly overwhelming and permission giving. I mean, there's definitely been times in my life, I don't know about you, when I haven't been able to cry. Mm -hmm. I've been, I'm an adult and I'm doing just fine. Everything is great, but I have this odd headache going on. So maybe I'll watch a movie with a sad ending in it Mm -hmm. to like give myself permission to go ahead and cry a little bit. I think stories matter in that way and finding those ways to find that release for the other emotions that we can't even necessarily name. The griefs that we don't know are in our hearts and in our bodies and are in our system that need some way to be expressed and a form to be expressed. So as you've walked with people who've had grief in the past, does the things that you suggest to them change depending on the age of the person that it is or what kind of grief that they're dealing with? Not necessarily. I think a lot of it remains very much the same. I think if there's someone who is older and whose family is watching them, you know, trip and stumble or those kinds of things, because sometimes in great grief, we lose kind of an awareness of where our bodies are in the world. So we may become more clumsy. I didn't go skating this weekend because, right, it just, you become more clumsy for a little while. And so I don't necessarily say to folks in their 20s, you're not developing early onset dementia. You're not becoming a fall hazard. Like I will say that to someone who's in their seventies or eighties. Okay. I will give them that to say, keep watching yourself. You know, your body, you know, what's going on. And to the kids, like, you know, your parent and they will be a fall hazard for the next couple of weeks. They will have some kind of this forgetfulness stuff for a little bit. If it continues on long-term, have them checked. But don't worry that all of a sudden, if they're tripping and Mm -hmm. if they're forgetting things, right? That's the difference. When it's someone who's older, I'll let them know that this is normal and not other aging challenges. If it's someone younger, I'll just say, this might happen to you. (laughs) And it's okay. This is grief brain. Let yourself use lists. Here, I'm going to write down this list for you of the five things we talked about, and I'm going to hand it to you right now because this will help you, right? It's the same action with slightly different front. But no, things are pretty much the same. Humans are humans. Brains are brains. We do what we do in grief. It's pretty universal. Excellent. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. What are your best sort of getting through the day tips for somebody dealing with grief brain? The one that I say 99% of the time, drink water. Yeah. (laughs) And I say it so much that it's almost become a bit of, not a joke, but just a touch point for people who have had me work with them several times through grief. Okay. They're like throwing it back at me this week, which is really wonderful and beautiful. Yeah. Because when we cry, we 
cry salt water and we dehydrate really fast and we get those terrible nasty headaches. Oh man, I never even thought about that, but that's right? a direct correlation. If we drink alcohol to cope, like that's more dehydrating. Mm -hmm. If we're not sleeping well, then we dig into caffeine and that's more dehydrating. So that reminder to drink water and to stay hydrated, it's also, I tie that in depending upon the person's faith with grace and with baptism and God's love. Like keep filling yourself up with God's love. Keep reminding yourself of God's grace as often as you can with that gift of water as a kind of living prayer. And so I lean into water as a really critical part of grieving. And I will say that all day Friday and Saturday, as we said goodbye to Izzy and then had our first day without her in our home. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of different people send me condolences and then say, don't forget to drink water. And I'd be like, oh, right, mm -hmm. water, I should do that. And if I didn't get up right at that moment and go get a glass of water, it was probably four hours later before yeah. I actually did it. And I'm the one who reminds everyone to drink water, <laughs> right? But mm -hmm. that grief brain makes it really hard to remember. And absolutely, I got the massive headache from it. Right. And so it's setting reminders to drink water. If you need to set alarms to eat a little bit of food, whatever food you're able to eat, like eventually on Friday night, Tristan was so worried about me. And I'm finally like, fine, I will have this chocolate protein shake. And I managed about half of it. But it was something, mm -hmm. right? It was something that I could eat and had nutrients and that was fine. So whatever food you are able to consume to give yourself some nutrients and strength, whatever water you can remember to drink and setting alarms if you need to, listening to people who remind you, that stuff matters. You got to take care of this flesh creation that we live in to be able to get through the grief as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about grief brain. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And for the many of us who are in acute grief in this time, know that you are not alone. God loves you deeply and truly, and we will continue to find our way forward. Drink some water, be kind to your spirit, and until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.